Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got a great airport compliance story, but first, a story from Rat Attack. I was called into work on my day off a week before I leave. So I work in the military. I was called into work by a text I got at 3 a.m. on a weekend to show up at 12 p.m. Generally speaking, unless previously specified with at least 24 hours notice, Working on the weekends is not really a thing one has to worry about unless it's one of those we're going to war or someone came on base drunk slash high and with criminal charges, full recall time now, texts. Our weekends are protected like that. So I had just woken up and saw the text, be at work at 1200 to help do this task. I think, okay, well, I'm clearing the space in less than a week, so I have absolutely nothing in terms of gear to help out with heavy machinery we use for this task. I drive up to work in my civilian attire and am immediately questioned why I'm not in uniform. I explain I'm not supposed to work today and that I basically have no gear for their task they want me to do. They, my immediate supervisor, say it's fine and I start to assist with the task. Cue malicious compliance. I do what's asked of me to the letter and an officer, a senior ranking soldier to most of the soldiers in a unit, asks me what I'm doing in civilian attire and why I have no gear. I address the situation and explain what I was told to do. I'm breaching several safety protocols by doing so without gear and proper uniform. So they begin to promptly flip out. They find out who asked me to do this and tell me to stop immediately and go home. 
I proceed to leave while I hear my supervisor get the reaming of a lifetime from this officer. Meanwhile, I'm walking away scot-free of any wrongdoing and continue to return to my barracks to enjoy my weekend. The aftermath of the situation is I'm called by my supervisor and their supervisor to explain what happened. And so I do. Their supervisor chews out my supervisor and I'm released with an apology. This almost never happens in the military and I'm left alone for the rest of my weekend, only being cleared to work if it's directly relating to my transfer. This takes immediate priority over any local work they need done, as everyone in my chain of command would be royally screwed over if I missed my transfer period or report date due to their incompetence. To anyone wondering, yes, I get paid a salary, so I'll work seven days a week if needed, but the rules and regulations regarding labor and non-emergency unscheduled work saved me from any wrongdoing here. I love my job and do it happily, but I also enjoy the little time I get off each week as well. To be called in for a routine task that I absolutely didn't need to be there for was over the top, unnecessary, and against army rules when it comes to safety compliance and regulations, as I didn't have the necessary equipment to complete it safely. I do know what I'm doing however, and can complete said task with nothing, but that's not something that the higher ups want to risk. If you got a manager that's just asking you to do something nonsensical, is it better to fight it and try to point out the obvious, or is it better to just do it and honestly wait for the nonsense to unfold? Deal with it beyond that point. I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Zarquan's Flat Tire, the time we kind of robbed an art museum. I used to install cellular repeater systems, mostly in hospitals, sometimes in fun places. This time was the High Museum of Art in Atlanta. This is not my malicious compliance, it's Jerry's. His compliance was to let us do what we do. So we had to work at night, no exceptions, and we had to have a security guard escort everywhere. Because anything we could possibly break at 3am would be worth about 5 million dollars. Enter Jerry, the second in command security guy who pulled double time to escort us after his regular shifts. His job was to make sure we didn't steal a couple of Andy Warhols, nothing else. See, there were lots of places and doors we needed to get through and security didn't have access to the keys. So us being contractors, we brought out every trick we knew to bypass a lock as we usually did. After we had picked or bypassed about seven locks in a museum, we turned to our security escort and asked, so at what point does this start looking bad? And he said, six locks ago, I'm keeping a list. Sure enough, he had a notebook and was writing down every way we broke through security. When we went back for phase two, he was head of security and most of our tricks didn't work anymore. But security had a better set of keys. Somehow this does not surprise me, a museum full of priceless works that's bringing contractors in to do work over the night literally do not have a system set up where they make that stuff accessible to anybody and security literally can't even get around in the building themselves. There is a serious problem when you have to rely on the contractors to get you into the various rooms of this museum. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Revolution Friendly 56 HR says only smart people can work here. I work for a small company and we have a one-man HR department. We often get all sorts of memos detailing policies that sound good on paper, but never make practical sense. I think maybe HR got all of its education on YouTube or Reddit or learned it while being mentored after hours by the CEO. 
Recently, HR implemented a new standardized testing for screening new candidates, which scores candidates on their skills in mathematics, language, logic, and a bunch of industry-specific questions. The idea is to weed out those who present well on paper and in person, but in fact can't do the most basic stuff. While this could be an excellent idea to weed out the morons that keep walking through the door, HR thought it's an excellent idea to make everyone, including those who have already been here for years, do it as well. For the employee files, of course. HR gave metrics for where scores should range for new candidates, sent us links to complete the tests, and requested that they're completed by Friday. As we all know, HR never does things just for employee files. We suspect HR is trying to get rid of a few crucial people who are not great with computers, not fast on the calculator, but are in fact the beating souls to the workplace. Everyone at the office pretty much all boycotted the test. When HR pressurized the CEO to threaten our bonuses, we begrudgingly complied. HR wants to score us based on arbitrary standardized tests as benchmark? Sure. We spent the next three days after hours working on the test together, one test at a time. At the end, we all scored 9 out of 10 in every category, because we got some pretty bright people helping out. And guess what? We forced HR to do the same test. And HR scored 5 out of 10 for math, 4 out of 10 for logic. Guess who should be on the chopping block? Those that want to put others on the chopping block should be on the chopping block themselves. It's almost poetic in a way. Also, I agree with OP, this sounds like a bona fide headhunting tool where they label what they deem the best of the best, and the others that don't hold up, they're gonna just let go for inadequacy. I just think that looks so ugly to your workforce to be like, hey, we got this new candidate evaluation quiz. Also, we're gonna test every single one of you that have worked for us loyally for years to see how good you really are. I would be left feeling like, great, glad I work here. They really value me. This next story is from Fighting Blind. Install it where? Okay, I worked for an alarm system installer for almost two years. By the second year, I was a team lead for a small sales area. One day, one of my techs called frustrated and tells me that the homeowner was drunk and insisted on putting the glass break detector in the hallway of the mobile home because that's where the salesperson said it would go. I go over to this mobile home and quickly realize this person isn't going to be swayed. I smile and say, I understand completely, the customer is always right. I then turn and give the tech a wink and say, go ahead and install it where he wants. The work is done and the customer signs the document that says the work's been done to his specifications. Now, a glass break detector basically does what it sounds like. You mount it on the ceiling above a window and if the window breaks, the detector hears the sound and sends a signal to the panel. This happens whether you arm the panel for stay or away because windows can still be broken while you're at home. This is also an immediate alarm, so you don't have a countdown system to turn off the panel. This is tuned for the frequency of broken glass, but it'll trigger for any sufficiently loud noise. We do the test with either a glass break sound app on our phone or a power drill. This just happened to be mounted above his granddaughter's door. She apparently slammed the door a lot. A week later, I came to the house on a service call since the alarm had gone off multiple times. The man is no longer drunk, and after explaining the situation, he is actually very apologetic and says he regrets having us see him drunk. We moved the glass break to a better location and never had a problem with the system for the rest of the time I was there. Obviously, the nice thing here is 
despite the original situation. They apologized and they said, it was ugly, I'm sorry, can you please help me out? It's just funny because sometimes you try to do what you can, you know, convince them that, hey, it's not a good idea to put the smoke detector right in the kitchen. But sometimes you just have to accept, the customer is always right. Our next story is from Liam H101 Official. Game-changing COVID guidance turns the tables on Kevin. I work for a certain Swedish furniture store, and this Swedish furniture store is horrible in terms of controlling anti-maskers, as there's nothing we can do to throw them out. I work at the location across from the Mall of America, so we get hordes of tourists in from across the upper Midwest. Unfortunately, this includes an army of anti-maskers. Finally, I have a way to put those idiots in their place, however. As weak and cowardly as the company is in curtailing anti-maskers, they recently sent out some game-changing COVID guidance for the staff. Staff are no longer required to help anti-maskers. It's glorious. I'm working in the lighting section and up comes Kevin. He asks me how to get out of the store. I swear these morons get dumber and dumber as there are well-marked signs that can direct you to the exit. I say I'm sorry, but I'm medically exempt from interacting with maskless individuals as it poses a risk to my health. Under the ADA, I'm not required to disclose my condition. Kevin starts boiling like a tea kettle and replies, This is horrible customer service. Whatever makes you think you can treat the customer this way. You are discriminating against my rights and blah 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 blah. Kevin then storms off and I realize that I could more than likely get fired for this. The thought sticks with me till I go out to take my 30 minute break. As I'm punching out, one of my supervisors comes up to me and asks why I was so rude to a customer. I tell them what happened and the man is on the floor laughing. Literally on the floor laughing his butt off. He then said that was one of, if not the funniest things he had ever heard. There wasn't much in the way of fallout. I wasn't fired, my supervisor got a good laugh out of it, though I'd imagine Kevin made an angry video in his car about how the evil employees forced me to wear a chin diaper and how they refused to help me. Usual Kevin stuff. For what it's worth, this took place in April 2021, so the overall mask or no mask condition was a lot more on the still wear mask side of things. You know, this took place more than a year ago, basically. I just think having heard stories like this, I'm glad that although we're not like nearly out of the woods yet, we're slowly continuously moving towards just a situation where you don't have to feel like you're second guessing ever going out. It just would be nice to be able to go back to a situation where if you're going out and being in public, it's not ever on your mind, you know? Like whatever your stance is with masks, it would just be nice to not have to think about what if I do catch it from somebody around here? You know, like a what if that person that sniffles or coughs over there has something? And our final story of the day is from Goldie Bob's Baggage Handlers Handle Baggage. I work as a baggage handler at an international airport. During the Icelandic ash cloud of 2011, most, if not all, flights were grounded for about a month. This meant a lot of my company's staff had absolutely nothing to do. The company made a very generous offer of letting staff go home unpaid. This led to a lot of staff refusing and coming to work as usual. With no flights, there's a lot of people with nothing to do. Collecting cones, counting chocks, tidying up rolling stock, clearing FOD from vehicles. Nothing we wouldn't normally do in the winter when the schedule drops. After all the usual ground handling jobs had been completed multiple times, the manager started to think of other ways to get the staff to work. At first, it was pretty basic. New ropes and chocks or tidying the crew room. 
But then a manager had a bright idea of us repainting the electric baggage trucks. A colleague who we'll call Keith took exception to this and went into the office to complain. Keith's reasoning was that he's not a trained painter, he's a baggage handler. He had no experience painting. Rule number one at my firm is you never operate or do anything that you're not trained to do. The manager told Keith it wasn't an unreasonable request and if he refused, he would be disciplined. He painted the electric baggage trucks good. He painted the body, the doors, the wheels, tires. Then the windows, the headlights, taillights, hublight, wiper blades. He painted the entire thing in heavy-duty white paint. The manager sacked him on the spot. I'm not sure if he appealed or what happened to the painted vehicle. Although considering I think the story took place in Iceland, considering OP mentioned the Icelandic ash cloud of 2011, if something like this happened in, say, like the US, could you have like a wrongful termination suit here? Or could there be like a good argument that what Keith did was done with pure malice and intent? Because Keith understandably is not a trained painter, maybe he never painted in his life. Can he make that argument of ignorance and get away with it? I need to hit up somebody like Legal Eagle and find out the specifics. All I know is, I would try and appeal. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy compliance story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.